I used to practice. I'd have imaginary cameras set up around my room in my head and I would practice waking up and getting out of bed that had to be as natural as possible. Hello, welcome to This Is My Cinema, the podcast from the British Independent Film Awards that celebrates cinemas and the filmmaking community that tells the stories that fill their screens. I'm Rihanna Dillon. And I'm Michael Leader. And we're talking to some very special guests about the cinema experiences that have put their love of film into action. And it's been quite a bit of an extensive tour already, hasn't it, Rihanna? Yeah, we've been to the Penarth Pier Pavilion in South Wales with Morfydd Clark, the close-up centre on Brick Lane with Harris Dickinson, all the way to LA with the iconic Arclight Cinema with Tom Ellis. We should get our tour t-shirts printed up, shouldn't we, Rihanna? <laughs> That'd be amazing. <laughs> so what would be one of the headliners of your film going, Michael? So we're talking about ultimate cinema experiences, the formative trips of your life. For me, it's going all the way back to the early 2000s, going all the way back to when I lived in Manchester, going all the way back to the Corner House Cinema, the legendary venue that has now morphed into home. And the film I saw there that I will bore anyone who will listen about is Spirited Away, the Studio Ghibli film that's celebrating its 20th anniversary this year. That was the film that opened up a whole new world of animation, of world cinema to me, as well as the magical worlds of Hayao Miyazaki's films and Studio Ghibli in general. I love that you can really pinpoint that moment because obviously that Studio Ghibli is so, so close to your heart and Mm -hmm. that you can literally go back 20 years and be like, it started right there. It started right there and then a few years down the line afterwards, I saw the controversial Ghibli film Tales from Earthsea, which Ghibli fans will know is the bad one, the controversial one, at the very same cinema, maybe even in the same screen. (laughs) The highs and lows. Absolutely. Speaking of highs, I think it's time to introduce our guest because she is one of my favourite actors of all time. I was so excited to meet her and she did not disappoint, did she? She didn't at all. This is Kate Dickey, who over the last 20 years has been excelling in a variety of roles on telly, on the big screen, short films, in a variety of genres, from Andrea Arnold's Red Road all the way up to Prometheus, (laughs) The Witch. The list keeps going, Brianna. It's an incredible list and she is one of those people who every time I see her in a film it it elevates the film in my opinion I think a little bit each time so yeah very very special here she is Kate Dickey. Kate Dickey, thank you so much for joining us today. So for the duration of this chat this is your cinema and the way we like to kick this off is with this dream setup you have for an evening a cinema of your choice to show a film of your choice what film would you make us watch if you could make us watch any film so i don't know if people would thank me because it's not an easy watch but i would choose paddy considine's tyrannosaur um yeah which had such an impact on me when i saw it that it's stayed with me ever since. And it's such a raw, powerful, heartbreaking movie. But even talking about it makes me emotional and makes the hair stand on, on end. So I would pick Tyrannosaur. And I think I would pick Curzon Soho 
to put my film in. Why Curzon Soho? Does it tie up with the film in some way, the emotion that you want to infuse no, in the audience? No, just, it just holds a really special place in my heart. It was kind of like, I think that was where our first Red Road UK screening was oh. as part of London Film Festival back in 2006, would that be? I think. And so it was just like a really special place. And then every time I'm in London or if I'm working or down there, I always make a trip to Curzon Soho for a film. I just love watching films there. It's a, like a personal kind of intimate space and lovely staff and a great vibe and yeah it holds a special place in my heart I'm kind of stuck between there and the GFT in Glasgow because again Mm -hmm. if I'm allowed to pick two and I'm quite greedy I'll probably keep doing this (laughs) um but again GFT in Glasgow is for exactly the same reasons we showed Red Road there as our premier up there and I've, I've had quite a lot of films show there and went and saw a lot of films there. So it's a beautiful little cinema in Glasgow. I love it. Am I right in thinking that you moved around quite a bit when you were younger? Yeah, I did. So did that give you like quite a sort of rich experience of loads of different cinemas in every hometown that you had? Well, I wish I could say that, but we moved around rural locations where there wasn't cinemas at all. I don't remember going to the cinema until I was 10 years old and we moved to a town on the west coast of Scotland called Ayr. And it had a cinema and um, that was really exciting for me because we'd been really living rural in the country. And I don't remember being taken to the cinema before then, but the cinema there was like a 10 minute walk or something. So that's when I started going to the cinema. And then we moved to the Priest Galloway to a wee town called Newton Stewart and it did have a cinema for a while during my kind of early teens and then it shut down and then years later it got lottery funding and it's reopened so it's got a cinema again so yeah a funny kind of cinema experience do you remember what it was at 10 that you saw in air yes i do it was herbie goes bananas (laughs) (laughs) i know know because it was like i'm sure it was 1980 or 81 but it was herbie goes bananas anyway and i loved that film i think I went three times that week and I went and saw the sequels as well for that I kind of was obsessed because I'm someone who's always put feelings into inanimate objects I've just always done it so like when I was wee and like I had a hot water bottle in my bed like I couldn't put the hot water bottle out even if I was sweating and boiling because I thought I would hurt its feelings by putting it on the Oh, anyway, so a car that actually had feelings and, you know, did stuff was amazing for me. So that was the beginning of my cinematic experience. I love that. My, I think my brother's about the same age as you. And I think he, he, Herbie is just like one of his kind of all time favourites. So are you like every time you see a V-dub in the street, you're like, it's Herbie. (laughs) That's it, exactly. Herbie, Herbie, Herbie. After that, and you, you had this, the one that you were talking about, out next was that where you saw slightly more films in more of your formative years yeah so that was more like I saw things like all the Rocky films mm-hmm. and it was all like in the like early 80s a lot of action movies that I went mm-hmm. to see saw like uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit oh, and, so good oh I loved that film so it was a lot of those kind of 80s the, the Brat Pack sort of year 
years. That was my teen years of going on so many crushes and all these like <laughs> Hollywood heartthrobs. Who was your favourite of all of them? That's what I'm trying to think. I had such a soft spot for River Phoenix. Oh, I thought no. he was beautiful. And that beautiful performance in Stand By Me, yeah. oh, to die for. He was a, a gorgeous actor and and as a teenage girl, beautiful as well. There was Rob Lowe, it was like Breakfast Club and, mm-hmm. you know, and Molly Ringwald, who I thought was like so cool. So it was all those kind of films then. These are some amazing films you're mentioning. A great time to sort of be a teenager or a young kind of kid in the 80s seeing these films. But how do you get from films like that to loving a film like Tyrannosaur? There must have been like a moment (laughs) where the world opened up and drama comes in, I guess. Yeah, and I was thinking about that today. And I think I've probably got Ken Loach to thank for that. I think about Ladybird, Ladybird, Kez, things like that. And the sort of social aspects of movies started to interest me touch me you know I had a passion for that as I got older whereas I think as a teenager I was just gorgeous boys and like Hollywood and and then I got older and it was more topics and themes and things like that started interesting me and so I think it was probably Ken Loach that I have to thank for that because his films are incredible of you know the social commentary he makes and and giving a voice to people who are maybe in the periphery of life and not necessarily the cool, the beautiful, the, the popular. And that's what started fascinating me about people everyone getting to go to a movie and getting to see themselves and not just mm-hmm. that sort of what I'm talking about, the kind of Hollywood thing, like people at home that have really troubled or difficult or whatever lives I feel have a, a right to give them the opportunity to have their stories on screen. And that's kind of what became my interest, I guess, for the choices I've made along the way. So many films are set around, I don't know, like London or Brighton or Manchester, these kind of big cities. And if a film is kind of set somewhere where you grew up or, you know, in those slightly more rural areas of Scotland, is that like you're going to go and see it no matter what you're going to be there oh yeah you would you would and I think another big thing is is also hearing the Scottish accent on screen which is a genuine struggle for us to have our accents on screen without being modified cleaned up made to sound easier so that's quite a struggle to have your natural accent on screen so it's a real joy when you know there's something Scottish and I love, like, I don't know if you've seen Limbo. Oh, it's amazing. It's set in, I think it's South US, but it's US up and up one of the islands and it's bleak and barren. There's no trees there. I think there's maybe one tree in North US. But because of the wind, there's no trees. You have a landscape with no trees. And so, yeah, I love seeing different films with different landscape and cultures and approaches and things on screen. It's funny, you mentioned the Scottish accents. That's something that's always a joy for me, particularly with British actors from all around. You may see them in Hollywood movies. You know, some are chameleons with their accents. So hearing their normal accent is so strong. I was actually just re-watching the trailer for Gregory's Girl, which they, they dubbed 
back in the 80s when they tried Did to sell they? it to the States. I think. Yeah. Did he sell that? Shocking. I mean, it's not moved on loads either. I mean, my thing is like, oh, please just let us kind of be out there because I know like for the likes of Game of Thrones, I know in America now, Northern English accents are understandable because you've been, Game of Thrones, there was so many of them. And I think it's just getting accents out there and giving people the chance to hear them mm. and to get their ears around them and to understand them because it's wonderful to have that truth when you're doing a role and you know I love doing accents and it's mm-hmm. fun and it's all part of the the process but when you are in your, your natural accent there's something a real truth there then you know there's not there's you're taking away a, a layer of something that's not real because you're being you mm-hmm. in your accent so I, I like that as well I like being able to explore the truth when you're not thinking ahead about how you sound or how to sound and stuff mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah you mentioned Red Road we kind of have to talk about your work with Andrea Arnold and that must have been so incredibly special obviously a young Martin Compton as well you were working with I know and Tony Curran and Martin Tony Curran's awesome oh Tony's amazing and I was so lucky actually that he got cast as Clyde because Tony and I had went to drama school together in Glasgow and we weren't in the same courses, but we were in the same year. And we've got our equity cards together doing this play, touring around prisons. And so we were friends. And that made the sort of complexity and, and the darkness and some of the stuff we had to do together in Red Road much easier because we just trusted each other. And we, we'd made a pact at the beginning, like, we're going to go for this and we're going to give this film the best voice it deserves and we're not going to hold back so it was wonderful to do it hand in hand with him because he was just a joy to work with and Andrea I mean oh she's I I don't have enough words for how (laughs) incredible she is and how amazing and lovely and kind and so many superlatives that I could go on all for, for hours, but I genuinely mean every word. And she took me under her wing. I had no idea about film acting. I'd done a bit of telly and I'd done a couple of short films, but I hadn't done a feature film before. And I, I came from a theatre background. So most of Andrea's direction was just less, 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 Kate, less, less. <laughs> and she really taught me when you're thinking about people in the back row or projecting or including a whole room. And in film, you can bring it down to like a whisper or even if you're just thinking a thought, as long as you're truthfully thinking that thought, the, the audience will see it in your face. And... Oh, she's just amazing and what a a real privilege to do mm. a film with her, never mind my first film, just to work with her. And yeah. we stayed good friends and I'm very, very fond of her. When acting becomes the great calling, who were, so I'm going to use crush as a term, a bit different from the River Phoenix crush, but in terms of when, when you're looking at acting as the craft you want to go into, who are you looking at on screen saying, that is what I want to do? Oh, you know who I love, love, love? Frances McDormand. Oh, I just, for me, she is just everything. 
in an actor. She's truthful. She's real. She's absolutely in her character. I just saw Nomadland recently and that film, oh, it just was this expansive road trip of going through with this community of nomads and and I thought Frances McDormand was beautiful in it. She's got amazing qualities and yeah, so I'm a real fan girl. She's got a beautiful quality and, and there's amazing British actors, Scottish actors, there's so many great actors out there and I, I love watching other people and I love working with people as well mm. when you get to share scenes with someone you, you admire or you've maybe not met before but they're amazing and there's so many opportunities to just learn mm. all the time and and try and soap up so it's a constant sort of learning I feel like I'm always catching up and I've made some <laughs> horrible mistakes on screen but you just have to not watch your stuff I guess is one thing but no you just have to sort of yeah learn from each each film I guess who have you worked opposite that you feel has really raised the bar for you? Apart from maybe Tony Curran. <laughs> <laughs> Apart from Tony Curran. I mean, when I worked with Michael Fassbender and Numi and Idris and Charlize on Prometheus, that mm. was incredible. Seeing people who are really talented really amazing but also so professional as well there's no nonsense <laughs> because people are committed and working hard and truly into their part uh, George Mackay he was amazing mm. to work with on For Those in Peril and he is a committed beautiful actor Ralph Einstein and Anya on the witch I mean oh I have been God. spoiled I mean yeah. so spoiled I could list all my films I mean the Dev Patel Sean Harris and the Green Knight <laughs> I've worked with some beautiful actors along mm. the way and I'm going to come off this and there's going to be a thousand names I'm like, well, I don't know. it's really hard but I honestly have been spoiled with so many people and just really enjoyed the experiences of, of working with people who are so good. We, we've got this extreme almost from going from Who Framed Roger Rabbit in the 80s to something like Red Road or you, you say that the films of Ken Loach opened you up to this other area of drama that spoke to you but you've also in your career gone on that huge breadth of projects seeing you some in something like you know for those in peril or the witch sort of independent movies or then something on the IMAX screen like Prometheus so what's it like picturing your teenage self in the cinema screen seeing yourself in these massive movies now I mean, my, I, it didn't even enter my teenage self's head because I think when I decided I was going to be an actor at 10, it was through drama classes on a Saturday morning and it was theatre classes. So although I loved watching films, I actually used to pretend I was in films on my own in my bedroom. And it's really weird, but I'd forgotten all about that until last year. But and I must have been about... 12 or 13 so I wasn't like a real small kid but I used to 
practice, I'd have imaginary cameras set up around my room and my head, and I would practice waking up and getting out of bed, but it had to be as natural as possible. And if I did any sort of acting, I had to start all over again, get back into bed. And anyway, a very strange thing that I did. But apart from that, that was just a private wee game for me. Apart from that, I had never imagined doing film or I never saw myself in a cinema screen. And, and even when the Red Road edition came along, it was kind of out the blue. Mm -hmm. I wasn't ensconced in kind of film editions or I wasn't even trying to get film editions. It just kind of came up. So for me, it's been a, a real surprise. Mm -hmm. uh, she would have died. I mean, <laughs> the teenage kid would have died and death. <laughs> she would have died. I don't think she'd have recovered. <laughs> so it's probably just as well. I never imagined that. I probably would have imploded or something, spontaneously combusted. But yeah, that's probably a good description. I would have spontaneously combusted. Yeah. When I was thinking, you know, before talking with you, I was thinking of that amazing run. I mean, I'd, I'd seen Red Road as, as a teenager at school, but in the mid-2010s, for those in peril, The Witch, I was thinking back to seeing Prevenge, and at that stage, because Prevenge has this, the amazing line of character actors, and it's a surprise with everyone, and your scene is fantastic in that. So great. The surprise for me about that going from the sort of independent film to the big film was the Christmas following seeing Prevenge at the festivals that autumn, sitting down to see The Last Jedi, massive screen, massive popcorn midnight screening, and then I said, who's that in the back? I know that, that's Kate Dickey. <laughs> And so that's that's some of the delight of cinema experiences, the surprise of seeing actors you love in yeah. different contexts. <laughs> I remember elbowing my boyfriend at that moment as well and being like, it's Kate Dickens. <laughs> oh, that was such a random, amazing opportunity that came along. And I was in equal parts thrilled and terrified because the, the sets were amazing and everything was huge. And there's a part where you're working and big budget things everyone's at the top of their game whether you know production wise costume makeup every single and so the pressure to step up is big and you just have to be careful not to get overwhelmed which I can find quite hard just of having to talk to myself and say this is a job like every other, you're going to go on, you're going to give your character your voice as every other character deserves and you're not going to let your sort of nerves or sort of overwhelmed feelings ruin your work. But it's hard at times. <laughs> but that was just an exciting day of real joy. Mm. Yeah. You're somebody who's also done short films all the way through your career as well. So tell us why doing a mix of everything is so important to you. Oh, I just think, oh, I love short films. I think they're a wonderful way to tell stories. Mm. I think short films can be really bold and original and very boundary-pushing. And I don't know whether that's maybe because you don't have the sort of pressure of all the funding and funders and things like that, and they're able to have a unique voice. There's some amazing shorts have been made and amazing voices have come through shorts i met paul wright who i did for those in peril with i did his short film believe which is this beautiful short film with michael smiley 
-hmm. And Michael Smiley plays a guy whose wife has died. And it's a film about grief, and he's so grief-stricken. And I played the dead wife in the coffin, and he ends up getting into the coffin with her. He can't hold her. I mean, it's so beautiful. He's amazing in it. But that's how I met Paul, through playing the dead wife in the coffin. And we went on to make For Those in Peril together. I just think it's a good way of giving back and being able to do short films with up-and-coming directors. And I just think it's a really lovely medium of storytelling. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a real teamwork. And I love it. I think all storytelling is great, which is probably why I like doing it all. Like I said, I'm quite greedy as well. (laughs) (laughs) I want it all. Do you still find time to watch all sorts of stuff now? I mean, you've already mentioned Limbo and Nomadland, so you're already two up on two of the best films in the last year. So, I mean, it's harder when you get older to watch films like you're a kid still, but do you still have that enthusiasm? Oh, I do. I still have the enthusiasm. I can't even watch horror films. I can be in them. Yeah, you terrified me in The Witch. I can't believe you don't even watch them yourself. (laughs) Oh, I know. So I can be in them because I'm back... If I was going to say backstage, I'm behind the scenes and I understand (laughs) it. I cannot... I haven't seen any of the most amazing modern horror films that have been made. I watched them as a kid. But as an adult, I can't. I'm so frightened. And even like a bar of frightened music and I'm out, like I'm out the door. I'm just like, no. So yeah, I definitely still watch films like a kid. And I really want to try and keep that because I I just don't want to be at the point where I can understand how everything's done. And I'm, I'm watching scenes going, oh, I know how that was made. Just want to be completely immersed and I really want to give myself up to the filmmaker and go with an open heart and an open mind Mm -hmm. really you know and and not go along going oh I don't know if I like this I kind of go along expecting to like something and then if you're disappointed you're disappointed but there tends to be something I like and everything whether it's you're not into the story maybe you're into a production value or, or the cinematography or the or the look or the, I just think there's always good things to find and such hard work mm-hmm. it's a miracle to make a film it's a miracle to get films off the ground I completely agree you know seeing a film in the cinema so many things hit you differently the Witch was one for, for me, you know, particularly when Black Philip rears up one of those moments that I'm so glad I saw it in a packed out cinema. And we love asking our guests, are there any moments that come to mind where you think, I'm so glad I saw that in a cinema with other people? Yeah, I mean, for me, funnily enough, it's another Robert Eggers movie, The Lighthouse. Lighthouse, yes! <laughs> Yes, are you saying? Because I'm, I, I just can't imagine if I'd only, I mean, I've watched it since on a device, but I would have hated to have seen that at home, the telly, because it's so cinematic and it's so freaky. And I think if I didn't love Robert Eggers and know him, I probably, I would have missed out on an amazing movie because I would have said, oh no, it's too 
<laughs> too scary for the dickhead. But I went actually to the London premiere. So I had Annie on one side and Ralph on the other. So I had my buddies because I was frightened. Wow, what film, eh? The, every frame is stunning. And the music and just the, the wildness just keeps ramping up and up and up. Something that I really wanted to ask you is, have there been any films that you've sort of, you know, you've read the script and you've gone for it and then you've seen it on the screen? I was trying to think of like the script for Filth, for example. I was like, I don't know how, if I'd have read that, how that would have like translated onto a screen for me, you know? Yeah, that's true, actually. Oh, God. Do you know something you're right? I'm really glad you brought up Filth because that's brilliant. And also what was... When I watched Filth, oh, there were so many surprises in it with the singer that turned up in these cameo, David's... I'm saying, going to say David's... It's not me. David's soul. Oh, it's so, I'm so bad with names. I'm honestly like your granny with names. So I won't <laughs> get to names, but yeah. Filth is brilliant. And I thought they did a brilliant job of bringing... Because the book is dark Mm -hmm. it's so dark i mean i know people will think the film's dark but the book is so dark and then i had a great time in that film doing oh yeah i'm just i'm I'm now having um, flashbacks (laughs) to filming and the wee cushion with james that's right and that beautiful switch we did where characters where at the beginning he was really awful to me and and treating Chrissy terribly. And then by the end, you know, I was walloping him and standing over him. And his life just went spiraling down in that yeah. film, eh? Mm-hmm. Oh, Phil. Phil, that was great. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, that was it. I wasn't sure how that was going to, you know, reading it on, on the page was brilliant. But yeah, going to see that in this, and I saw it in the cinema. Luckily, I went to a, a premiere, and uh, wow, laughed, cried. Oh gosh, really cried as well. And then you get Clint Mansell's beautiful oh score. <gasps> Clint Mansell's amazing. He's an amazing composer. One of my favourites, actually. I think he's a beautiful composer. Working with Ben Wheatley next, I think, which will be very exciting. Oh, that's exciting. Oh, ben Wheatley's a brilliant filmmaker. Yeah. He made Sightseers, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. Yes! Now, that was his first, that was the first time I saw, I think that was the first time I saw Alice, Alice Lowe. Yeah. And I think that was the first Ben Wheatley film I saw. And it still remains to this day one of my favourite movies because... I love black humour where you're laughing one minute and the next thing you get your hands over your mouth like sobbing going how could I have ever found that funny you know I'm terrible so I love films like that and Sightseers is so dark so dark (laughs) that's a great movie yeah Alice Lowe is amazing and she shot Revenge and like I think it was 11 days, mm-hmm. which is eight months pregnant, you know, truly eight months pregnant. And if you're actually going back to the question about working with someone who can I make you up your game, mm-hmm. Alice Lowe is incredible and she's so lovely and there's no, she's so humble and, and the way she put prevents together is literally genius and yet she's so chilled about it all and we all turned up for our days filming with her and 
and she was just brilliant. Yeah, I love working with her, and then I, I worked with her. She was also in Get Duped, Lily and mm. Doff's oh, yes. film, and then um, she she plays like my boss in it, and turns out really gives me a row about this whole it's a whole storyline about a bread thief, and she was brilliant in that as well. Great, great women yeah so we're going to see tyrannosaur we're going to see it at the cousin soho what are you making us eat what is your favorite cinema snack so i of course being the greedy gut bucket i like i like an array of snacks you've got your giant popcorn i like giant a popcorn mix. yeah giant popcorn it has to be sweet and sour both together or would no actually i went off the sweet and sour i'm, I'm sweet now okay. so a big box of sweet popcorn but i also like a pick and mix for the most stressful mm. times so you can just like suck in a jelly i have to bring my own jellies because i'm vegetarian so and i also like cinnamon twirl or something mm. like that so i like snacks i'm a, a big mm. snacker i try and make them quiet snacks because me and my pal i can't remember what we went to see it was pretty dark and just as the film started the guy next us brought out a multi-pack of 12 crisps yeah. like you know the giant yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and him and his pal spend the film passing this huge no. like, bag of things with their head buried in it raking through you know the flavors <gasps> oh i could have wrung their necks but at the same time you've got to just plow on so i try not bring crisps i love a crisp but they're just a bit a bit noisy so mm-hmm. Try and get everything out of the wrappers so it's all set up, you know, the twirls out the bag, make sure I've opened the bag. So um, I am a responsible cinema goer, but there's a lot of eating goes on. Get through the tension of all those dark comedies. Yes, that you like to watch. I know, like most people are just like frosting their seat, but I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> Kate, it's been such a pleasure speaking with you. And I know I know, we were only allowed to pick one film, but it feels like we've got a whole season of films here to go through. Also, you said Curzon Soho, but let's take it up to Glasgow as well for the GFT. And I would yeah. love if I could just please do a really quick shout out for my film Under Gods that's out just now. It's out on demand and it's mm-hmm. out in the selected cinemas directed by Chino Moya. It's a dystopian tale, science fiction tale, very kind of dark humour. So love people to see that in the cinema. It's a real cinematic experience if you can get to one of the cinemas. It's um, visually stunning. And Chino's an incredible director. So I would love just to do a wee shout out for that as well. Thank you so much. The cinematic experiences uh, all we're about. Thank you so much, Kate. Yay! Thank you for having me. Thank you. Love talking to you. It's been such a pleasure. There you go, Kate Dickey. Honestly, one of my favourite guests. She's so much fun. I mean, she came up with one of, I think, possibly the darkest screening that we've had yet. Tyrannosaur. Did not see that coming. And such an interesting development to then have to think about what snacks you'd eat along with such a dark film. Although I must applaud the financial acumen of those cinema goers that Kate mentioned taking in a multi-pack of crisps. (laughs) 
She is someone who has thought about every element of the film going experience, which is exactly what we want from our guests on the podcast. So that was great. And also just hearing someone with so much passion about cinema and cinema going and just all of the films that she's been in. I love that every single title we mentioned brought up this whole new wave of enthusiasm for her job and her love. And it was just a really, really great chat. Absolutely great chat. I think I'm going to go away and have a bit of a Kate Dickey film season of the films she recommended, but also all the films she's been in. She's been in some of the best films for the last 20 years, I'd say. And if we enjoyed that, make sure you're subscribed to the show and you can check out our back catalogue for any episodes you may have missed. And Michael and I will be back next week as another guest opens the doors and ushers us to a seat in their cinema. We'll see you then. Bye. This is My Cinema is a Little Dot Studios production for Biffa. The show is hosted by Rihanna Dillon and Michael Leader. It's produced by Jake Cunningham, Ellie Aitken and Harold McShiel. And we're edited by Content is Queen. <laughs>